nothing less than persecution. This is nothing less than attack on the churches uh, because, like I said, the parking lot at the liquor store is operational, Tim Hortons, McDonald's, grocery stores. So why could we not at least do what they did? So, like I said, it made us more determined than ever. We kept on, we kept on having church services. And then finally, the judge threatened us. Uh, it went to court and the judge said, you will be, you will be stopping having church services or we will, we will lock your building. Hello everyone and welcome to Freedom Feature and I'm your host Barry Bussey. With me today I have Pastor Henry Hildebrand who's the pastor of the Elmer Church of God who went through a trying experience as they would say a baptism by fire when it came to government regulations and the COVID pandemic and now it's time for reflection and so Pastor Hildebrand thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you Barry for having me. You know as we look at the experience that your church had, where a government came in and they were uh, handing out tickets. Uh, I remember seeing videos online of you, where uh, you and, and your parishioners receiving tickets from the government because you're holding church services. So can you help us explain or explain to our audience uh, what that was like and uh, why you're receiving tickets? Yes, I guess that was uh, very, very new for us as well. We had never experienced that. We had been in the in the town of Elmer here for many years, uh, since 1991, and uh, had our church services, had never, never been disturbed, never been uh, interrupted by the police, none of it. Uh, personally, I feel very passionate about it that our people uh, are good citizens and do well and help along in town wherever they can and on and on and on. So this was a very, very new thing to us as well. Uh, we would come to church service and the police would show up uh, first just by the road watching us pull in. And I guess it all, it all happened when they said that we were not allowed together uh, because of uh, COVID and we had first had our drive-in services and then went beyond that. And uh, finally we realized that it, it wasn't happening what they said, the pandemic wasn't what they said it was. I mean, there was just, the, the evidence was just not there. Uh, one month, two months, three months, it just wasn't there. And we recognized that what it is, it's an, it's an attack on our unity. It's an attack on our community, uh, on us working together, us being together as, as the book of Hebrews tells us, the, we, sh we should not uh, refrain from gathering. We should, we need to, the church must gather. So we did, we continued on and the police would show up uh, with their, with their cameras and take uh, scan our license plates. And, and they did that even when we had our driving service and we had the windows rolled up. Uh, they would take, take pictures of our parishioners in the, in the vehicles and whatnot. I mean, I was thinking by that time we had already, we had already seen, what all was what they were doing and we had searched uh, the uh, the uh, law and and looked into it and see okay so what what's the law saying and we saw that the criminal code section 176 mm -hmm. clearly states it says every person is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for the term of not more than two years just talking about interrupting a service right. uh, a church service and it says you cannot even follow the pastor to the church service you cannot follow him home from a church service 
and I mean they were breaking every every bit of that. They showed right up on our parking lot, tried to interfere, and then the uh, local people would see that the police were there, so they would stop. They would start lining up beside the road and and yell and scream and try to interfere with our church service. But I'll tell you, the more they did that, the more the police and try to interfere, and the more the people yelled and screamed. The more they did that, that was a confirmation to us that we were doing the right thing. To us, it seemed like it's obvious because we're on our own property and we're none of our people is sick. And like I said, at first we were in our vehicles, windows rolled up. It was very obvious to us. This is a direct attack. So they started giving me, following me home after every service. Soon as service was over, they'd follow me home and try to catch me before I walked into the house and give me a ticket every week, every week, week after week, and uh, gave tickets to our, our to the congregants. Actually, one one uh, older lady who in, in the meantime has passed away of old age. She was 80, 84 at the time, and she came to the church service and the police showed up at her house the following day. It was uh, the winter time, snow was out, and the, uh, the police showed up and they said, uh, when she answered the door, she said, what can I do for you? The police said, we have a ticket for you. Oh, she said, a ticket. This is this is somebody that has survived the Second World War. Mm. She went through the war uh, in in uh, in Europe. Anyway, so the police uh, said, yes, we're giving you a, a ticket for attending church services. Wow. So we, we understood by this time, we understood that this is this is nothing less than persecution. This is nothing less than attack on the churches uh because like i said the parking lot at the liquor store is operational tim hortons mcdonald's grocery stores so why could we not at least do what they did so like i said it made us more determined than ever we kept on we kept on having church services and then finally the judge threatened us uh, it went to court and the judge said you will be you will be stopping having church services or we will we will lock your building and we did not stop by that time. Like I said, we were we felt emboldened to continue right on. I, I felt like the key was for us not to act in any carnal way or in any any uh, violent way at all. I told our parishioners, I said, nobody, nobody, no violence, nothing, no, not don't, no cursing, nothing, nothing. Be kind to the officers, but we will be bold. Uh, Holy Spirit boldness. Mm. We will stand there. And they told us by that time, the government said we couldn't sing. So I said, absolutely. Will we sing? I said, there's nothing that you can tell us we cannot sing. So anyway, make a long story short, they did. The judge ruled that they were going to lock our building. And uh, then we said, well, then we'll have church services outside. And we gathered on the lawn outside and we were only 150 to 200 people. Well, within a short time, we were a thousand people out on the lawn because <laughs> The more you oppress the children of God, according to the Bible, the more they multiply. And there was no way. They were flying with drones overhead, trying to see if they could see license plate, trying to recognize who is there and ticketing people left and right. And then the judge said, if you have another service, we will find you. So the judge finally decided to fine us $274,000 and said that we would have to pay that. And I said, well, whatever you need to do, whatever it is, you do whatever you want to do, and uh, if it had just, if it if it was just about me, I would have told them, look, put me in prison, do whatever you want. But then when the government said, when the judge said they were going to go after the widows, 
after the uh, single moms, small families, and they were going to bankrupt them to do whatever it takes to get the money. I said, no, you won't. And they said, yes, we will do that. I said, no, you won't. And that's when we told the whole world, we said, look, this is the predicament we're in. They're going to, they're charging us 274,000. Well, within, I believe it was two months, the whole world helped us out and $274,000 came in. We brought that money to the government and we kept on going and, and have never closed <laughs> down. We have never, never stopped having church services. And then the day came, of course, then they sent the locksmith over and we were right in the church building. We were singing the song uh, uh, about us building on the rock, us, uh, that there's no, no other foundation, that all other foundations will fall, but the one on God will not fall. We were singing that. The sheriff walked in with the officers. And I can tell you very right now, I can tell you that I had zero hatred in my heart, none whatsoever. While the sheriff stood there right there, I was reading the scripture from the pulpit. I was reading about the three Hebrews, how they said, we will not bow down to your God. Mm. We will not do it. And I said, let's have prayer. They took their hats off. We had prayer. And I whispered to the sheriff who was standing just a few feet away from where I was behind the pulpit. I whispered to the sheriff. I said, sir, this is nothing personal because I want, I want that sheriff to make it to heaven as well. I mm. want his soul to be saved. I want all those officers that were in there. I want them to make it to heaven. And I had zero hatred, no bitterness to this day, none whatsoever. But there's a big difference between uh, being bold or, 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 or bowing down to them. And I just could not help but to, I understood it is, this is our time. We were born for such a time as this. And that it was, whether others were doing it or not, I wasn't holding it against them. But I personally felt, clearly felt before God that we cannot bow down to that. We just cannot. And I don't regret a single step I took. Obviously, here and there, I could have spoken, maybe used different words. I don't know. You, you can always do better. But I'm saying through it all, God was with us. God is with us. And when the sheriff brought, down, brought back the key, when they finally unlocked the building, uh, I followed him to the car and I said, sir, I want to I make one thing sure. I said, I did not do it to spite you. I did not do this to wrong you. He said, Pastor Hildebrand, we all understood why you were doing it. We knew exactly that you had no other motive in mind whatsoever. I said, I want to keep it that mm. way. People were destroying our sign. Vandalism was taking place on a regular basis. But again, we have no hard feelings against any of them. I spoke to people that, that broke our sign um, at the police station. I told the police, don't charge them. Don't charge them. I said, I told the person that broke our sign. I said, you're welcome on our property. Please come to our church service. You're welcome to come anytime. We're not charging you. I said, I understand you were with the wrong people, with, with the wrong crowd. I said, I used to be 20 years old. I was with the wrong people. I said, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. This is not about me. This is wow. not about our church. This is about us standing up for our God-given freedom. I'm sorry, I'm starting to preach. You keep here. on preaching, preacher. Uh, no, this is fantastic. Um, you know, just looking at the spirit of this, and for those of you who are watching, uh, you can see the earnestness with which the pastor is speaking, an earnestness of showing not only respect for, for the Lord, for his God, Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there's also here a love for fellow man. And uh, this is coming out in spades. And I think, Pastor, this is one of the, I think, a wonderful witness to the country, but also to the world about the importance of um, 
in essence, nonviolent protest against government edicts that have gone too far. And I think those uh, who have looked into this matter with any great extent would recognize that indeed government did go too far. Uh, we I certainly have uh, spoken my piece on this, but but it, it is so powerful to hear it directly from you as the leader of your church uh, speaking and letting the world know what happened? And here it is. We got people who are literally uh, committing vandalism, who are driving by yelling at your people. Uh, I mean, this is this is stuff that we would think would happen in in you know we think of Soviet Union kind of stuff. We think of uh, of perhaps in other parts of the world today where uh, Christianity, for example, is certainly unwelcome. But here in Canada, we had this kind of activity. Certainly, it would appear uh, that your faith has not been shaken at all as a result of going through what you went through. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Like I said, to me, serving God, to me, thanking Jesus for dying for me, for shedding his blood for me, means something totally different. Uh, it just, through this, through all of this, you, your, your burden for people increases. Like, if, if I would have my way, I just wish I could reach way more people and let people know there is, if you want real life and have life abundantly, like John chapter 10 tells us, mm. just go all the way with the Lord, go all the way and the Lord will take care of it. You can, it's it's actually not even that difficult to love your enemies because you hear this, their the cry of their soul. Mm. I hear that. I hear that. I mean, they have a soul and yes, they're telling me, in the face, they're saying, yeah, I'm just doing my job. And I'm asking them, I said, sir, you're, you're violating section 176 of the criminal code. Like what? <laughs> and, and the police officer says, I don't care. But then I look deeper and I hear, I, I hear the cry of his very own soul. And I, I, I looked at the police officer and I said, don't you have children? Like, do you not want to be on the right side of history? Like, this is tremendous what is happening right now. So it, it, it kind of threw me into a total, total different, um, area and, and like I said it did our church well in that sense where we have a, a different uh, burden we recognize that we must reach out and we must the whole world that this cry of oppression is is sounding everywhere I mean I mean look at I mean you can look at uh, listen to Oliver Anthony mm -hmm. and and you can you, you hear the truckers in Ottawa it's the same cry it's one word oppression and that is what it is this is this was not this was not about a virus. It's the it's it's the oppression uh, from what they call the elite, and they're doing it. They're they're trying this out to see if this will work. But God is using this to gather His people. And like I said, it's we have had such amazing amazing experiences. The the three weeks that I spent in Ottawa, I'll never forget in my mm. life. Like when do truckers come to you? Young truckers come to you and say, Pastor, Pastor. Can you come and have prayer with us? I said, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I couldn't get myself to go back home. I told the people back home, I said, just gather, have prayer, sing, whatever you need to do. I'm not coming home. I'm in Ottawa. I'm, I'm doing the work of the Lord. I'm here with the truckers. It's just, I, I, I'll never forget this time. Mm. Now, so you were up in Ottawa during the trucker convoy. And I remember uh, listening to some sermons that you gave with respect to uh, I believe it was a Sunday morning, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, you were speaking up there. Um, what was your sense of that entire protest as a pastor? So 
obviously, uh, as you and your listeners will will gather from what I'm going to say is, you know, I look at it from a totally different angle. I look at prophecy. I look at the, what's the Bible telling us. Mm. So I look at it from a from a from a different angle. To me, when the three weeks were over and the truckers went home, to me it was a huge win. It was not a loss. It wasn't. It wasn't a a, a battle that they lost. I told the truckers. I, I told as many as I could. I said, "You won. You won because God accomplished what He wanted to accomplish. God reached the whole world was watching basically. Mm. So the truckers." It 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 it, go, it it went down into history, and the truckers showed us something. And this is very this is what struck me in the depths of my soul. What the pastors were not willing to do, the truckers did. The truckers were willing, at the peril of their job, they were willing to come there and park right in front of the parliament, uh, honk their horn, basically saying, "Help us, help us, please do something. Come and meet with us, speak to us." That's why it resonated with me, and I felt so connected with the truckers. I felt so connected because I felt like they 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 were crying the cry of humanity. They were saying we are being oppressed. But like I said, from a spiritual point of view, to me, we went away from Ottawa. The truckers went away from there with a huge win because they showed the world that how a community operates. The three weeks that we were there, not a single person gets arrested. Nobody's causing any trouble. I was there. I'm eyewitness. I was there on the ground. Doesn't matter what the government says. They were lying like they always do, mm -hmm. right? So they were, we were, I was, I was boots on the ground. I was right there. They, we shoveled the snow. They were handing out food for three weeks, not charging anybody. I mean, talking about a community operating, humanity operating. And there was black people. There was Muslims. There was people from India. There was white people. I preached on the platform. Uh, I, I'm a white man. I had a black man from Quebec translating for me into French. I mean, they they tried to say it was a was a white supremacy thing, but that didn't go very far because they saw we were way too way too many people were there. They, that 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 theory didn't go very far. But anyway, I'm saying humanity was showing what humanity does when pressure hits, mm. and it was just a blessing that I'll never forget. Mm. Yeah, that's that was my experience as well. It's it's certainly one of the to to me it was a, a a most profound experience. I remember being in the crowd, listening to the people speaking up on the platform, and just n knowing full well that I was sitting in history, uh, like history in the making, right there amongst the crowd. Uh, it, it was a powerful experience and. And one where there was a lot of camaraderie, a lot of community, a, a real sense of, look, uh, government had gone way too far. And this was a, a wake up call. Mm -hmm. And and I'm fully with you in saying that this is something uh, that is here for the long haul. In fact, I have a book that's uh, soon to be published uh, it's entitled 210 Degrees Celsius, 16 Ways the Truckers Ignited Canada for the Long Haul. And that's, that, that's exactly how mm -hmm. I see it. I see this sense of, of uh, people rising up as a result of the oppression and suppression. And um, people were there. And, and you were one of the people that gave a voice. Uh, I, I, I've been very fascinated by the spiritual element of the trucker convoy. Now, a lot of people say uh, you read the newspaper. Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, or, you know, the news stories were all, well, how can you say this is a non, uh, that this is a, a nonviolent protest when there's so much anger and there's, and there's, you know, the honking of the horns, but I like that concept there where you use the analogy. It's a cry from the soul. Every honk, every blow, mm -hmm. every blowing mm -hmm. of the horn was a, was a cry of people who had taken too much. That's so, that's so true. So true. And like I said, I was there and the spirit that you felt, it was, it was tremendous, tremendous. It moved me to tears mm. to see the, uh, to feel the cry of, of, of the souls of the people. And it didn't matter if they were truckers, if they were owners of the mm -hmm. trucks, if they were just the drivers, whatever it was, it was just the spirit that prevailed there was a spirit of community, the spirit of true humanity operating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, as a result of this, first of all, how do you think the trucker convoy will be looked at in history. How will our grandchildren, if the world should last that long, look back at it, do you think? So, of course, now it's, it's, you see it much better than what you saw it right then and there when you're mm -hmm. right in it and you hear the honking and it, you hear the prime minister speaking and, and calling them names and whatnot. It's, it's, it's so volatile, right? Mm -hmm. But now looking back, like there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. I know how it will be looked at. I know what our children and grandchildren will say uh, when they when they read it in the books. It is obvious, obvious. It was the cry of humanity that uh, because all the truckers were asking for is, can we please continue to work so that we can put food on the table for our children? Mm. And the children were there. They were playing there. They were playing hockey in the street. So it is not possible, in my mind, it is not possible for it to go down in history in any other way, but in a very, very positive way, in a very, in a very human way where it showed what humanity really was. And that's why it resonated with the world the way it did. Mm. I mean, Barry, people were honking. I personally know about it. People were, were honking their, their horns in Paraguay, in Bolivia, in, in, in Oklahoma, people were honking their horns. They said, when, when is that long, long horn honking going to be going on? And they did the same thing over there. People were lining up, trucks were lining up in South America and other places in support of what was happening in, in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. It is very obvious how it's going down in history. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. You know, um, you were, you said you were fined 274,000, but you were fined even more. Your church community was fined even more, were, were they not? Just last week, or was it uh, two weeks ago? Just this week will be two weeks ago, we were fined another 65,000. I still had a bunch, a bunch of tickets and the church had a bunch of tickets. My family had tickets, the congregants had tickets. Uh, government officials, there was a times when some of the government officials were in our service that were supporting us. They were there, so they got tickets. So the the uh, prosecutor finally said, look, uh, let's let's work out something here, how we can bring this whole thing to an end. Mm. They said the government said they would be willing to settle for $65,000 and they would strike all the tickets. I, I asked them, I said, so, so why exactly am I being charged 65,000? Like, what have I done? They said, well, for the harm that you did to the community. <laughs> I said, okay, so if, if I accept that, if I accept that, that I harmed the community, 
I said, then let me make you an offer. I said, I offer you 75,000, not 65. I said, I'll offer you 75,000 and I'll pay it to the food bank, to the local food bank so that the people have food to eat. That'll, uh, we looked at the budget, how much that would be. And I think it covers for about a year, uh, what it would cover. So I said, give me a year. And within a year, I'll pay 75,000 to the local food bank. And the prosecutor said, no, we cannot do that. This 65,000 will directly go to the government. So I'll let you, Barry, I'll let you and your viewers decide. So what? who did I harm? Did I harm the narrative of the government or did I harm the community? Mm. I'll let you decide. But that's what happened in the end. So now they're charging me, six. they just charged me last week another $65,000 that I'm supposed to pay them for the harm apparently that I did to the community. Wow. Yeah, one wonders exactly what harm you caused uh, when... As you pointed out, there was no one that died as a result in your congregation. There was, uh, you folks were following with this open uh, or in the parking lot having services where everyone was in the cars with the windows up. You were speaking to them through the FM transmitter. And, and yes, you were also having a church service inside as time went on, as everyone recognized, as uh, you folks recognized that this was not what they said it was. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, there, there's been a lot of churches, uh, certainly around the world, and in particular down in the United States, um, uh, whose, uh, I should point out, the judiciary down in the U.S. were a lot more uh, respectful of individuals' rights than uh, what I've seen in the mm-hmm. courts here in Canada. And it's something that I'm going to be writing about for uh, some time yet, uh, because it seems to me that we need to to understand exactly what has been going on with uh, respect. I, I have my own understanding of what I think has been the problem here in Canada with the way our charter has been interpreted by the courts. And it's something that I'll be writing about. Uh, but it's but here it is. You folks now are having to pay an additional $65,000. What does that mean to you and to your congregation? So obviously, obviously, we don't have the money. Uh, but we're, I am I am not worried because I am not in it for the money. I didn't. I didn't get hired to preach. Uh, I did. I didn't get into it because of the money. I mm. get. I got into this because of my burden to help souls. Mm. So, like I said, if my faith is not worth being punished like that, then my faith is not worth living for. Right. So, whatever it takes. But when the what was interesting, Barry, is when the judge asked me, "Would you plead, Pastor? Will you plead guilty?" And uh, they said the only way they would settle is if I plead guilty. And I said, "Well." I plead guilty that I have obeyed God rather than man. (laughs) And I threw the judge off a bit. Uh, They didn't know sure what that meant. I guess they don't hear that every day. But uh, she said, so what do what exactly do do you mean? And, And I just that is what I mean is I am guilty of obeying God rather than man. I, I plead guilty to that because I did that mm. uh, because I understood that man said no and God said yes. And I chose to go with God. So that's where it is. Uh, I'm leaving it up to the Lord to see what will be happening. Of course, the prosecutor said he does not want that money. Well, they tried that, but it, that, I guess that didn't work. They wanted to insist on that that money would have to come from me personally. Hmm. Well, how is he going to control that? Yeah. How is he going to control making sure that that money comes from me? Well, maybe they're um, watching your bank God account knows. or something. And they are welcome to do so. Yeah. Go ahead and watch my bank account. Uh, I'm not in it for my bank account, so yeah. uh, there's not much in there. If you want to take that, take what is in there. We will just keep on doing what we're doing. And maybe 
maybe I can save some Nicodemus somewhere that has some money and we can take care of it. Right. But my burden is not the money. My burden is we must get the uh, gospel out we because time is short mm. and this is a this if ever if ever souls needed us it is now mm. how can i fail them when they need me most mm. 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 this is powerful well i see that our time is gone yet again it goes by so very fast and i want to thank you so much for sharing with us um your story and you know uh can you tell us how people would be able to reach your church and be able to help you uh, with this project of trying to raise $65,000 for the government. Um, how, do, how do they find out about, um, about your church? So we will, at the end of your program here, we'll give you also a couple of links okay. that you can put right in there if you would like. But when people ask us, as soon as people hear this, people ask, uh, and I knew that because we're standing together, we're a community, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we set, instantly we set up a gifts and go account so that is set up that is up and running if people want to give people can also do a um, transfer uh, direct a, a email transfer doing that if they want to an easy way is also just it's a very simple henryhildebrandt.com my name henryhildebrandt.com is my website and on there they'll also see the uh, how they can help uh, also, another one would be churchofgod.com, churchofgod.com. That's how they can reach us, ever it is, and we can go from there. Okay, Pastor, can you have, do you have a final thought that uh, you would like to share to our viewers? So my, my burden for myself, for our congregation here, for the locality, for this country, for the world is let's stand up for the truth. It's not just about churches. Look what's happening to our children in the schools. Uh, look what is happening to our young people. Look what's happening all around us. It is time for us to be what God is calling on us to be. And I'm calling on everyone, pastor, uh, layman, uh, parishioners, wherever. Let's stand up for the truth. This is our time. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful to read about what Daniel did. It's beautiful to read about what the three Hebrews did. It's wonderful to read how, what the apostles did in the morning time in the book of Acts when they were told, don't come back to the temple. Where were they the next morning? Right back mm -hmm. there. They asked them, did we not tell you not to come here? They said, we must obey God rather than mm -hmm. man. Let's not find an excuse. Let's not say, well, Romans 13 tells us that we must obey the government. I always tell people, don't forget, the book of Acts comes before the book of Romans. But the, the, uh, the Bible tells us we must obey God rather than man. And of course, we obey the government, uh, like Romans 13 says, when they do well, when they are in God's hands doing what they should be doing. But when they do evil and require of, of us to do that and require of us to go against the Bible, I choose the Bible. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace, whatever they charge me prison or no prison charges tickets do whatever you need to do i will i will not have a hatred against you because i love your soul i want you to i want you to be saved as well but god is calling on us this is our day and what canada needs is people that will preach the truth live the truth stand for the truth this is our day. Don't fall for it. And I will accept truth. I don't care where the truth comes from. I realize that right now the Muslim communities are uh, looking and seeing what is happening. And I recently told them, I said, I thank you for standing up against what's happening in the schools. 
because I know what the government has in mind is to ruin the, the family unit, uh, to ruin the family values. And I'm encouraging anyone, Muslims, Christians, anybody, recognize what the government is after, our God-given freedom, our God-given freedom. And it is, it is God that is standing with us. Don't be afraid. We will win. We have read the last chapter mm. of the book. We know who is in charge. God is on his throne. God okay, bless you. well, thank you so much, Pastor, uh, for sharing this with us today. And I tell you, I feel like I was already sitting in one of your pews tonight, which was very powerful. And uh, uh, you certainly have a gift of oratory. And uh, I just want to thank you so very much for being with us. Thank you, Barry, so very much for having me. It is my my privilege to be here, and I want to wherever I have an opportunity, I want to speak for the Lord and do my best. And I hope I didn't uh, didn't just uh, keep on preaching too much. I didn't mean to do that. Oh no, that's okay. This is good. This is shows passion. And folks, I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, as you can uh, hear in the voice of Pastor Hildebrand, a deep passion, a deep passion for freedom, religious freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of association that was denied him and his church community over the last number of years. And perhaps some of you out there, uh, in fact, I know many of you have also experienced this uh, kind of experience where you, perhaps your churches were shut down. And um, it is important in times like this to be able to sit back and look at what's going on. What is the truth of the matter that you're experiencing? What Have you really dug into and understand your own faith, but also understand the laws of this country, understand freedom of religion? What is the freedom of religion? I want you and encourage you to continue watching Freedom Feature because we are going to be digging more into exactly what our freedoms are as they're contained in our Constitution and what's been happening in the courts over the last couple of years, but also over the last number of decades uh, when it comes to religious freedom. Now, as I make very clear, uh, at times on this program, you may agree or disagree uh, with our guests and also with myself. Uh, but that's okay, because on Freedom Feature, we're wanting to have open, honest, and transparent dialogue. And make sure that you like our program, you subscribe, uh, make sure you sign up for our newsletter so that you're kept informed as to what the issues are and what's been happening here at First Freedoms Foundation. And until next time, I'm Barry Bussey. The fight for freedom consists not only in the legal battles in court, but also in the battle of ideas at the universities and in the media. It takes time, effort, and money to keep on top of the debates for freedom. Your donation allows us to keep fighting for all Canadians. Firstfreedoms.ca